From the traditional territories of the Lekwungen and Wasanich peoples on southern Vancouver Island, I'm Dean Murdoch, and this is Amazing Places. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, co-lead of the Oakland's Rise Von Erf Planning Group. And I'm Robin Drader. I'm a neighbor of John's around the corner, and I got involved with the planning group about two years ago. Welcome to the podcast, John and Robin. Uh, what a treat it is to have you stop by. Uh, we're going to get uh, a deep dive on uh, some specific placemaking activities and thing something that I think a lot of folks may not know the term, but they might be familiar with the concept and they may even have stumbled upon a few examples of Bonerf. And uh, I'm going to, maybe John, I'll let you tell us if I'm saying that right and what it actually means. Uh, sure, Dean. Um, I should say that we uh, recognize that it's spelt W-O-O-N-E-R-F. So it's most likely that people are going to approach us with Wunerf. And we're happy Wunerfians, so we'll uh, accept that, no doubt. But the correct pronunciation, or at least my approximation of the Dutch term, is Wunerf or Wunerf, uh, which essentially means living yard. And the concept is really all about creating a space in the public realm, in our case, the residential streets of our area, and claiming that as a place for a, a people priority, a community space for uh, experiencing uh, relationship with neighbors, where kids can learn to ride bikes, seniors can walk with their walkers right down the middle of the road. Once John got this going, John and his partner Rob um, got this going, it's uh, amazing how many neighbors I have met. And having lived on this street for 30 years now, I had met none of them or very few of them prior to joining the Von Elf planning group or just getting involved with Von Elf activities. And it's wonderful. It's really wonderful. Yeah, I, I have to say that uh, that's something that kind of warms my heart is that um, this has always been uh, a friendly neighborhood in the sense that, you know, you could wave at somebody and they wave back. But now we find that uh, it's become a destination of choice for about five different other areas where people come just to be in the space because somehow they feel something different. And Robin's right bang on there because uh, it is now a place where people are actively in conversation with each other just when they're walking around on the street. And even when cars with a local purpose come along the, uh, the sidewalk free streets, um, it's very common that they'll roll down a window and you'll have a conversation with a driver in the middle of the street and just wave the next car around if there happens to be one. It's uh, this I think this initiative has really transformed uh, the neighborhood. And in fact, you know, everybody has been very conscious of being out of touch with each other in some ways over COVID. Um, on July 18th, we had completed uh, painting some planters that the city had uh, provided to us after some four years of, of discussion. And um, we had about 150 people show up over a four hour stretch to maintain proper distancing, enjoying three different musical acts, individually portioned foods, again, part of Bonnie Henry's uh, rules, 
but we had 30 kids painting in the street and it was just an amazing experience of how the Von Erf has transformed the neighborhood, I think. So if people were hoping to stumble upon this, where, where exactly would they get a chance to experience this seemingly, um, uh, well, it is unique, but uh, almost uh, unbelievable space in which you'd actually stop and have a conversation with a driver through their window? I mean, wherever does that kind of thing happen? We're up on Oakland's Rise is our name for it now. If you follow along Haltane and come up uh, Capitol Heights, that's kind of where it's beginning right now. Hopefully it will stretch eventually. Our vision is to stretch all the way um, down Kings Road, past Quadra and to the other way to Shelburne. But right now between Capitol Heights and Cedar Hill Road is what you will see um, products of our activities, gardening on the boulevard, some really gorgeous gardens uh, just on the corners of streets, and our, our painted planters. We have a number, six painted planters, uh, a Xeriscape uh, demonstration garden, which is plants that will um, tolerate drought. Once they're established, we shouldn't have to be watering the gardens, and the there are little signs there so neighbors people from away from us can see what plants work what they look like and that they don't need water so we can spread it all over the city if we want to but we're hoping to repeat those plantings all the way down towards shelburne eventually if we can mm -hmm. i think in, uh, it's worth holding up though we can provide a link to it that is the map of the territory if you can see it, I'll just poke my head over. Whoop, a little higher. And it's roughly 15 blocks of King's Road. And um, then there are some ancillary streets that uh, are also sidewalk free. And that was one of the things that it was kind of a catalyst uh, back in 2017, because there's a city bylaw that requires if you rezone your lot to build, let's say a small house, you are required to put in a sidewalk. And that's part of the process of offloading the cost of, of that kind of infrastructure development. But in this area, we realized that this neighbor who was going to build a, a house on a lot that was going to be divided was being forced to put in 30 feet of cement to nowhere. It was in the middle of a block in a stretch that has no sidewalks. So about 21 people got together in our backyard and said, you know, what, how do we feel about that? What do we love about this neighborhood? Why do we feel that it needs protection and preservation? And it came down to things like the ambiance of the area, the Gary Oak canopy, the almost rural feel, and the conviction that really we didn't want to have sidewalks. We wanted to have the residential street recognized as a wide surface walkway. And that's really where things began. Um, and I think Robin has, has touched on the, uh, the longer vision uh, that we hope City uh, Hall will continue to support. We've had support from council three times, twice from the last council, once from this one. And we've begun to develop some wonderful uh, uh, collaborative relationships with city staff 
who were initially a little skeptical, uh, understandably perhaps, because some aspects are counterintuitive. And of course, when we think of streets, we're thinking of roads and thoroughfares, and cars. we're proposing cars, exactly. And we're, we're actually proposing something quite different. And uh, we had to go back to the roots in the Netherlands to come up with another idea. What, when you talk about the support you've received from city council uh, or where you've uh, received support on three occasions, what was it that was required in order for them to, to bless in this particular instance? Robin? No, John, this is yours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's actually a big question, Dean, um, but uh, a very good one. Um, initially, uh, I'll, I'll step right back and I won't name names because I, I don't have permission to do so. But it was, uh, I used to be uh, on the board of the Oakland's Community Association. And of course we have a council rep on, uh, on such an association. And I, I at, at the time, well, I will name this name because I have a lot of respect for the individual and, and her commitment to, to our community. Um, I was sitting next to Marianne Alto and I had just finished saying to the board uh, that the group of neighbors in this area was concerned about a development that would be coming before the uh, CALIC, the Community Association Land Use Committee. And I outlined a little bit about the concept and, and mentioned and at that time, I didn't know about a Vonerf, actually. I just knew that the neighbors were concerned, and I knew uh, almost viscerally that it would be possible to create a very special place despite not having a sidewalk. And I had kind of an anecdotal conviction that if you put in a sidewalk, it makes drivers think they can go faster because they can assume that the roadway is cleared for them. And so I said to Marianne, uh, Councillor Alto, I said... Um, you know, this is what we like to do. And, and her response was, well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I thought, okay, I like a challenge. And that's when I began the research into what exactly is a Von Erf. And I learned that in the 1960s and 70s in Delft, Dutch traffic engineers were given the task to try and reduce accidents and reduce risk of harm from motor vehicles as the Netherlands was beginning to follow the North American model of building suburbs and building roadways to support them. And what Hans Monderman, and there was an earlier uh, traffic engineer named Joost, I think is that's how it's pronounced, uh, developed the idea that out of experimentation with more in traditional invasive engineered solutions, they discovered that they had the effect of convincing people that there was work being done to ensure their safety, but they didn't actually statistically make them safer. And the Von Erf concept was born as something that's kind of counterintuitive because you have to be attentive. It doesn't guarantee that we're safe in a sense, but it delivers a greater safety. And it does that in a few ways not the least of which is that by having obstacles in the street, and those obstacles are not just people, they're also street art, street furnishing, um, and they're uh, tactile, visual, and uh, other references like 
whether it be a border of cobbles or something like that that signals to a driver, it achieves a lower speed rate. And the, the, uh, the research is very clear that the slower the car goes, uh, the more accidents can be avoided and that those that actually happened don't result in the same kind of serious harm. So we went to council, back to your question, with uh, the research behind us. And we had uh, about 12 people in the audience and I think about 10 people speaking, though I mix up because we've spoken several times to council, I mix up the numbers on the dates. And uh, people expressed their views both uh, from that safety perspective, but also from the perspective of community building and placemaking. And I think that one of the points to make is that the separate uh, podcasts that you've had on placemaking or on little libraries or on uh, uh, well, any of those related topics are kind of embodied. We've taken aspects of all of those things and the Vonner over time uh, and along the stretch that Robbins described will uh, provide evidence uh, of many of those different levels. And that's basically what we said to council. We did have to go back each time there was a bit of a bump in the road. Initially, we found that uh, it, was, it was a concept too foreign for some at City Hall. And we had to be pretty forceful in going back. And I mean by forceful, um, simply making the points and drawing the connections and the dots and asking for support like measure the speed, measure the volume of traffic. Um, and uh, we did so and that we were given strong support from council. And uh, now we have some very positive working relationships with staff as well. And we're very pleased to see that uh, that is extended through to Migrate Neighborhood Grants for different separate projects. Robin has mentioned a few. And um, the most recent one has been the planter painting. And I don't want to leave that topic without mentioning that this is a very popular dog wa uh, walking neighborhood. We appreciate the picking up. and. Uh, Four of the planters, uh, one in particular, I guess, features uh, portraits of neighborhood dogs that Robin has actually painted with an uncanny ability to capture the, the actual dog in question. <laughs> wow. You're, so you're the dog person in the group then, Robin? Not necessarily. I, no. I have a cat. I don't own a dog. I adore dogs. But seeing so many people as I was painting the base coats of the planters, like dog person with dog after dog after dog, and I'd stop and pet the dogs and I'd chat to the, the people and ask the dog's name. And then I started asking, can I take their picture? Hmm. And I, so I ended up with way more dog pictures than I had room on the planters. Ah. But I just I tried one and it turned out well and in fact I think there's five different owners that have claimed that that's their dog and I tell them yes that's their dog well yeah. done very yeah, well it's done a, it's a generic dog it's lovely you've um, got you've got a touch of politician in you I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear <laughs> so yeah it, it it evolved as I was painting these awkward shaped low down planters and it was just the perfect response I think I'm very mm -hmm. pleased with them. 
you've described some of the attributes that people would find. And John, you've hinted at some of the placemaking community building outcomes of the exercise. But Robin, I wondered uh, from your experience, what what are you finding about the way people interact with the space? What What is different about this than you'd find, I mean, obviously on just about well, any other street? Well, you look out the window and you see, see what people walking in the middle of the street. You can see two people on wheel in wheelchairs, motorized wheelchairs, side by side on the street. You can't do that on a sidewalk. You just can't. We're near the cridge, so we have a lot of elderly. Uh, one lovely lady walks past my house, uh, all the way down to Oakland's Park and back to the Cridge twice a day. She's in her 90s. Um, you see her rain or shine in the middle of the street. With her walker. And in most cases, a car, if a car comes up beside her or behind her, they will go, they will just slow down and, and do her pace. I have seen one person that I wanted to yell at, honk at her. I was not happy with that one. Uh, but most people, they know her. Um, people are gardening or just walking, walking dogs. Everyone's saying hello. I know my neighbors across the street. We meet in the middle of the street and chat. Um, yeah. It's plant exchanges. Say that again, sorry. Plant exchanges. Oh, plant exchanges. Yes, yes. Everybody's getting into the gardening, um, the the pop-up gardens everywhere. So people say, oh, I really like that. Oh, I have some more of that. Let me give you some. There, There's a lot uh, of interaction between people and just, it is a living street. Uh, and, and that's the one of the definitions of Von Earth. Uh, people are in the street living. Um, kids uh, bouncing basketballs down the street, a gang of kids, um, you know, six or seven all all together. You can't do that on a sidewalk. It's it's a living street. It's really neat. And I, I think I'd add to that too that um, uh, I mentioned earlier that people come from other neighborhoods. We've actually had people volunteer in the uh, on the Von Erf Initiative who live in James Bay or uh, other parts of Oakland's not even in, in proximity to, to this area. So I think that's a, an indicator that we're onto something special. Clearly people want to be part of the space, even if they have to travel a little bit to get there, which makes me wonder, um, is this portable? Is this something that people would try and emulate in their neighborhood? And are you offering, do you offer them any kind of guidance or advice on how to make something like that happen? Well, we're hoping that the blocks beyond um, to the east of Cedar Hill will start getting interested. And there are a number of people who are interested and are asking for poles to be painted. I'm not sure if that's kosher right at the moment, but um, painting of poles is is part of part of the whole look. Um, and we're, we're hoping more people will get involved. John, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, would offer uh, guidance and how how to set this up if he gets people who are really engaged in any other any other neighborhood that want to figure out how to do it. Um, and John would be there. I'd be there. Yes, exactly. And we we have a seven person planning committee, so some of us are more comfortable than others actually going out and doing that kind of talking. But thank goodness Robin is one of the uh, 
the uh, ones who represents us very well. And I, I, as I say, I'm a talker and I'm happy to, I'm, I'm very committed to this community building. So as Robin says, I, I, I'm more than willing. In fact, there was a group on Brighton Crescent who connected with us and we learned about them because somebody from that group actually stood up uh, when we were at council unexpectedly, we hadn't even met before and said, wow, you need to listen to this group. We're trying to do the same thing. We had somebody from North Vancouver who actually stood up unannounced, did exactly the same thing. Um, as it happens, I was, uh, as was Robin on the Fernwood Art Stroll. We have some Oakland people on that art stroll as well. And uh, met a couple who are, who would like to do this at the Queens, uh, Queens and, um, uh, oh, I don't know what the, uh, the other street is, uh, but moving over closer towards into Fernwood and, uh, my partner Robert Tornak and I, who are the co-leads of, of the, uh, the Von Erf project, are going to be meeting with them to explore a little bit more about what they're interested in doing. We've also made connection with the Friends of Bowker Creek. And uh, when COVID hit and we realized that, you know, so much about community building is about bringing people together and we just couldn't do that. And yet we didn't want to lose momentum. So Rob uh, made contact with the student outreach office at UVic, and uh, we were able to have 20 permaculture students do a school project to facilitate our analysis of the boulevards in terms of uh, drainage and land and all that sort of stuff. And little by little, we're finding that the process of putting this in place either introduces us to other neighborhoods that want to learn more, or we're discovering a whole new world of resources uh, that we can tap into and that spreads the word. We talk a lot about placemaking and community building on this podcast and uh, discussions often lead to why. Why are we so interested in, in getting people together as you described, John? And I, I mean, other than you know, the immediate benefit of the improvement that it makes to the area where you live. What motivates you to, to carry on, to have this vision of, of seeing this spread uh, farther down the street, Robin, as you mentioned, or taking this to other parts of the community as well? What is it that makes you want to do this? I think life is happier when there are happy people on a street. Uh, this is a, a really interesting neighborhood and uh, yeah, certainly this neighborhood contributes a great deal to my well-being. Uh, I think that's worth spreading anywhere and it only takes, it, it doesn't have to take a whole lot Much. of dollars. Mm -hmm. It's it's about getting people together with an interest. Okay, I I like tulips. Oh, I have some tulips. I've got plants. So um, an interest in gardening, an interest in just being outside, an interest in knowing your neighbor a little bit. It ups the safety factor for the neighborhood um, as far as break-ins or anything like that. We're all far more aware of who's away when. Okay, I'll keep a lookout on your property for you, not a problem. Um, I, I think there's child minding circles going on as well. There's lots of new young families in this neighborhood, which is delightful. Um, and they're discovering each other and helping each other out. It's, it just, it gives, 
gives human power. It's wonderful human power. This comes back to strategy, and it's something that I, I share with other people who are involved in trying to bring community change. Um, I raised this uh, when talking to the city's uh, course for community champions, actually, that sometimes you have to really target what you want to say to your audience. But we have an extraordinary benefit in that the projects for public spaces, spaces pps.org, has a model, which is not that easy to find on their site because the site's always changing, but I'm happy to make it available, um, which dovetails exactly with the SEPTED model. And SEPTED is crime prevention through environmental design. And so for some people, uh, that is the angle that really helps them understand why it's there's a value in volunteering their time and even if they don't have much time to give, you know, you can just make a pitcher of lemonade and drop it off to somebody who's turning over sod in, in, in a boulevard. Uh, other people like to be involved in research or planning. Other people like to be speakers, whatever it takes. But the, the why comes from understanding a, a personal issue, such as maybe I feel the city is moving in a way that's less safe. So SEPTED works there. For those who are already on board in terms of community building, uh, the Projects for Public Spaces model is really great. There are also some indigenous health models that also dovetail beautifully with the idea of integrating one's belonging in community. And uh, our, we have a huge amount of research that uh, we're able to share with people if they're interested. How do people reach out to you to get that information and to, to hear from you? The uh, email address is oaklandsrise uh, at gmail.com. And I manage that email. Uh, we do have a MailChimp list. So to provide security and whatnot, it's a low volume list. So people don't need to be afraid of a lot of emails. Uh, but we put out a, a periodic newsletter and all of that is available on a website. But one of the things that is a challenge for us is that our website is on uh, a donated uh, space. It's a free space and the search engines don't like it when your URL has free in the, uh, in the address. So the easiest way I think for people to find our website is to go to one of my sites, which is irmstrategies.com. And there is a link to the Oakland's a series of links to the Oakland's Rise Fund Earth there, to the website, to our public survey conducted in 2018, uh, and to other information, our social media sites like Pinterest, Instagram. Uh, we have a wonderful neighborhood support, Allison, who is managing our Facebook and, and um, Instagram pages and Twitter. All of those handles are slash or at Oakland's Rise. My partner and I were living overseas for almost a decade, and we came back to Victoria. And of course, you can imagine that your personal connections are kind of broken because you're no longer in the um, in the um, uh, work world. Uh, though we're not retired, but our different work world. And we decided, okay, we have to figure out how we want to be now that we've come back. And what a gift it has been to meet people like Robin, other members of the team, and the now 236 
people on our mailing list uh, to, uh, to simply find a place and to get meaning out of living in your community. It's been such a gift. John and Robin, I'm going to try this one more time. Voner is the, thank you. It's the, the project that you dedicate so much of your energy and, uh, and enthusiasm to fostering. And clearly it is having an effect out there in your neighborhood and across Victoria, probably even uh, beyond just uh, the city boundaries as people find out about it and get the chance to experience it and maybe even potentially adopt a little bit of it for themselves in their own neighborhoods in some small way or maybe in a larger, longer term project. I want to thank you both for the amazing work that you're doing, uh, trying this out and, uh, and bringing this experience to folks who probably never think twice about what a street can be or what it's meant to be. And, uh, and really showcasing that it's not all about the movement of vehicles to get from one place to another, but it's about those places where, where people like to spend time, where they want to be together and all of the amazing benefits that come from building community. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Dean. Yeah, our pleasure. This has been another episode of Amazing Places. I'm Dean Murdoch. Thanks for listening.